0: But you're my piece of your heart. in Sports Rap. Drew, you shook your head there for a second. I had to make sure I was on the right show. I hadn't been here so long with you. <laughs> I, I started and I no, was I, like, oh, I got the wrong show? What show am I on today?
1: No, nah, the, uh, the producer could, uh, didn't turn your mic on. So you, when you said, I could read your lips saying, welcome to, and the first word I heard was sports rap. Okay, All right, so I didn't we hear Let's welcome keep.
0: to BCSN. Take two. All right, let's, let's retake. Here we go. We'll, we'll do this live. Three, two. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and AD Drew here. It's good to be back with you, Drew. How you doing, my man?
1: Doing fine, my brother. How we doing today, man? Uh, just, I don't know whether it be sad or happy. It's sad because football season ends on Saturday. But, hey, conference basketball season begins two weeks after that, my brother.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. We, you know, five weeks into the basketball season. Uh, but as you said, the the end of the road for football um, and for our FCS teams and, and really just black college teams in general with the Cricket Celebration Bowl coming up on Saturday, five days and something like 17 hours away as I look at the countdown on the celebrationbowl.com. Website. We've got two new teams that have uh, never been in this contest: South Carolina State Bulldogs, the MEAC champion with a record of six and five, and of course the fifteenth ranked nationally ranked Jackson State Tigers representing the SWAC with a record of eleven wins and one losses. And uh, you know it's uh, as we we'll get into this, but Jackson State pretty much playing for. The perfect season, I, you know, it's short, it, it Just it's not exactly perfect, obviously, but uh, on the FCS level. F-
1: FCS perfection.
0: FCS perfection, yes. Um, so we'll get a chance to talk about that, mm-hmm. and we will do a little bit of mentioning and talk about uh, some basketball stories and just some different things. Got some new hires to talk about in the SWAC, and a little bit uh, into the second hour uh, or I should say midway through the show, given our start time, our good friend Charles Bishop will be coming on of uh, the pregame show. Can never get enough of uh, the synergy that we have here at the Black College Sports Network, and the fact that uh, we can we can go to uh, guys like CB whenever we you know we need to find out what's going on with Jackson State, and so I, you know I I can't even imagine what it's like, Drew. For him and Neely to uh, to to be in this space and place where they've seen this journey come this far, and you know for their for their alma mater, you know their school, and and they love Jackson State like like nobody else. Uh, it's got to be an amazing feeling to be able to cover the team, bring people information about the team like nobody else is doing it out there. And just sort of be there for the ride and the experience. I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm jealous. Uh, I'm happy for them, uh, but it's an amazing, gotta be an amazing experience. No doubt.
1: Brian, there's no reason for the, uh, us to be jealous because. You Envious know, we might here be a better BC- word. Okay. We here at BCSN have been a part of the process since day one with the pregame show. We've worked behind the scenes with them, uh, with with the concept. Now, the concept was their concept. You know, we've, we've produced it, we've helped them refine it. Uh, I know you, I, uh, our producer Roy, has spent many hours uh, in production with them to uh, get this content out to the masses. So, uh, shout out. And I just got to say, for them to have, you know, get their mention from the other Four Letter Network, that the Four Letter Network comes to them for information. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's a clip that when Charles comes on, we'll play that a little bit later on in the show, so uh, to really bring it home for everyone. But I want to wait okay. till uh, Charles gets on before we play it.
0: I love the fact that Coach Prime said that during media day. I remember him saying yeah, him that's, media that's day. That's the clip. He he told. Okay, so I'll I'll stop right there. Then that's the clip. Uh, so that and yes. and he true to his word. So yeah. Yeah. Um we want to thank you if you guys are watching our show on YouTube. Uh take a second and go ahead and make sure you're subscribed to the uh Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube page. That's my JBN1 or is it just JBN1? I think it's my JBN1. Bye. Uh my JBN1 there on YouTube and then give a thumbs up to our show. That's where you can get all the show and more importantly hit that bell. Get the notification so that way When any of our shows are streaming live, you'll get the notification about it. Very important that you uh, do that. We appreciate you supporting. And, of course, if you're on Facebook, uh, do the same thing there on Facebook. Make sure you're signed up or you're part of the uh, Black College Sports Network on Facebook so all of these shows are streaming there. You can always go back. Uh, We appreciate the folks that are watching our show, or I should say listening, to our shows on the BCSN pod zone or on the uh, BCSN sports Rap. Both of those you can find on the podcast networks, whatever you're listening to. I just saw something drew that Spotify, uh, which is, you know, where you can always find our shows is about to do something with video podcasting. Where, where else have they been doing video podcasting? Where, where else? I mean, what a concept.
1: My, my, MyJBN.com, my jbn uh, app by yes. BCSN app
0: yes that's right that's right just go to your Google or Apple Play Store my jbn my I mean look Spotify is not reinventing the wheel I, you know we they, I, we didn't, they just have a, a bigger platform yeah but hey look if they're not doing anything that that we have uh, we haven't been doing we do share the same internet All right, Uh, so it is all the same. So, Drew, uh, we can talk. Where do you want to start? We've got two coaching hires uh, the past week, past seven days, really past uh, six days, five days. Two new hires in the swag. One Monday, one Friday. Yeah, two of the Blue Bloods uh, made some big decisions this week. Or we can start talking about the Celebration Bowl. Where do you want to go?
1: Let's say the Celebration Bowl. Let's get it. Let's get everything else out the way.
0: Everything get the Celebration
1: out of Bowl, way. We, we we might not get to
0: anything else. I got you. Well, uh, Monday, the twentieth, uh, head coach of Southern University was named Eric Dooley, and and of course, many people had already predicted and speculated. Just uh, matter of fact, I don't know if it was a full forty eight hours after his team losing uh, his former team, Preview. A&M losing to uh, Jackson State in the swag championship game. Uh, he was named the 20th head coach. Uh, Dewey, of course, worked under Pete Richardson, legendary coach, from 97 to 2010. Uh, he was a part of the staff when the Jag- Jaguars won uh, the 97 and 03 HBCU championships. Uh, four of those are swag i mean we talk about the legendary era of southern eric dooley was there so you know it it was kind of one of those things that uh many people speculated on but uh i I love the fact that coach pete richardson he knew it was gonna happen he knew it was just a matter of time and so drew i I bring to you the question, did Prairie View, obviously, you know, if they're not renewing your contract or giving you a new contract extension, did Prairie View drop the ball or did Prairie View just kind of know what was coming and just say, Yeah, you know, we we it's a you know, it's a good time to turn over and go in a different direction. I think it was more of
1: air duty betting on himself. All right, let's 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 back this up to last year. We're back in the spring when Dawson Odoms left Southern, yep. and because of the because of the timing, because of how, how late of a move that was, Southern really did not have an opportunity to go out and do a thorough coaching search because of the abbreviated uh, off seasons that we had this year. So they went with the interim candidate, Eric Dooley. Had when you left on his contract at that point in time, he probably was like, "I would love to go home, but when they named uh Rollins as the interim, he bet on himself, If I can go and have a good season this season, and Rollins has a bad season this season the the opportunity for me to go home will be there, and he did. He bet on himself and he won. You know, we could think of uh some athletes uh in the league who have done who have done things like that. Uh, Joe, Joe Flacco. Uh yeah. Baltimore Ravens bet on himself. Okay. Uh, the Lord Jesus, uh quarterback for the Vikings. Her, uh
0: Kirk Cousins bet on himself. Kirk Cousins
1: bet on himself twice. Put yes. himself in a, in a in a better position, so that's what Eric Dooley did. Yes, that's what Eric Dooley did. He bet on himself, and well, because he could have signed that contract with Prairie View as early as this summer, he could have signed it out there, in, Drew, if in if the could, fall.
0: Yeah, if I could add, he went in there and then he beat them on homecoming. He beat them. He right. beat them on their home, so he <laughs> came <laughs> home with <laughs> his team and 21
1: to up the ante. Yes. To up the ante, and now let's keep this in mind. At the same time, Prairie View saw what was happening, and they up the ante. But it's something about going where you're comfortable, going home, that that makes the difference. And this, you know, unfortunately, this has happened to Prairie View for two consecutive coaches with Willie yeah. Simmons get, getting the opportunity. Uh, And and Willie Simmons didn't necessarily bet on himself at Prairie View like Dooley did, but Willie Simmons was getting the opportunity to go back home to Tallahassee, Florida, with him being from Quincy, Florida, which is 20 miles from Tallahassee, Florida, and essentially growing up on the campus of Florida A&M University. But Dooley also had the opportunity, let's, let's keep this in mind, to go to Grambling. Oh, Remember, yes. Grambling didn't hire Grambling did hire their coach till Friday. And Dooley was on Grambling's list also as a Grambling alum. People forget he's a Grambling alum, even though he cut his coaching teeth at Southern.
0: And he, he was a part of Fobs, he was a part of Fobbs' staff when they won the Black College National Title, went unbeaten. Uh, he was he was the OC those years, right? Yes, correct. So, yeah. He had and his choice of
1: which which home he wanted to go to.
0: Right. It's strange so how that works out. He,
1: he was in the best position. You talk about leverage and using your leverage to your advantage. That is the perfect case study for how to use your leverage as a professional to your advantage.
0: Uh I don't think anybody could have played it better. Well, you know, you talk about opportunities and have choices, you know, and uh, to to be in a situation where not only your current school, you're doing well, but then to have two other schools with availabilities right at the time that they did really uh, was was interesting, and um, it worked out for Dooley. You know, I I think he's at the – one of the things that we were asking a lot of people that we talked to – who who, had, who was the better program at the time, and not necessarily because of the personnel on the field, but just in terms of facilities, alumni base, so on and so forth. And I think most people agree that we talked to, it was Southern that was the better of the two jobs today. But I think the one that could be, is Grambling, but you got to go with today. And looking today. at today, yeah. For, uh, the, length it, of, it for the length
1: of the contract that he signed, it's going to be Southern for this contract. Now, you get into a second contract, Grambling may be in a better position on a second contract from today. But on an initial contract, Southern is definitely in a better spot. They Southern has a plethora of talent already in-house. Dooley, well, the recruiting was going to be the same no matter what because Dooley a good recruiter in that Louisiana base, both schools based in the state of Louisiana. So the recruiting would have been even, that would have been on him. But uh, as far as a rabbit alumni base and support, and I think the people at Southern really wanted him and gave him a little bit more love than the people at Grambling as far as that inner feeling. So that's why he leaned more towards Southern, in my opinion.
0: And uh, when when you talk about overall record, which, which I'm I always look at, I, I think it's an important thing to pay attention to. Uh, overall 20 and 17, 16 and 8 in conference, never had a below five hundred conference record. I think the, and he did it two different. In his four years, he did it two different ways. Because I think the first two years, eighteen and nineteen, is when he had uh, Dewanye Tucker and uh, uh, oh the the quarterback. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but he had off he had an outstanding offense. The defense wasn't where it needed to be yet. These last two years, the defense was better. I think he was hurt possibly by losing some guys after the spring, but uh, this and just imagine had some of those guys that left in the spring had they stayed, what preview might have looked like this upcoming season, but you know he only had one, he had a five and six record, six and five, two and one in the spring, and then the seven and five uh, year, and, and so I look at his winning record. And as we move forward to the other hire, I'm
1: can, I'm can, more can I get one point, last point. Can I get one last point on the Eric Dooley before we move on? Yeah.
0: Go ahead.
1: Uh, keep in mind, keep in mind that the current athletic director at Preview did not hire Dooley versus him going to a Southern or a Grambling. He wound up at Southern. And that athletic director is bringing him in and that means something to these coaches who brings them in, you know, so that, that's also a thing. We don't know what kind of relationship, uh, Julie had with the uh, current athletic director at Southern, I mean, at Prairie View, but that really does mean something to, uh, have someone bring you in and say, I want you, I am willing to pay you X, Y, Z to be a coach.
0: Um, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, uh, so as I was, as I was going to move forward towards the other blue blood grambling and uh, really the instant the duly hire was made and and really you started hearing by midweek, the decision that grambling was going to go with. And, um, you know, by some of the reports I met, I heard on, or I saw on Twitter, I guess the uh, the show or the guys at uh, Swacking a Fool were maybe one of the first guys to break the news that um, Hugh Jackson was going to be the new coach. Uh, of course, there was a story HBCU game day. I mean, the, st- the news got out so fast Wednesday afternoon that uh, I think then Grambling dropped that there was going to be a press conference on Friday, and it was almost like I, I know I tweeted uh, – I. I felt like the meme of the little kid uh, sitting there on his couch, just waiting, you know, just kind of sitting there on the couch with his with his arm over his head, and he's just waiting. It was like, Grambling's going to make us wait 48 hours when every other outlet is, is sourcing and saying that Hugh Jackson is getting the job. Um, Correct. So it's sort of anticlimactic.
1: Very, very anticlimactic.
0: Very anticlimactic. Um, I know the, the the rumor carousel was big. You heard uh, names like Ed Reed, uh, Ray Lewis, uh, who, whoever else you want to throw in there. I mean, it's a uh, Grambling's of uh, one of the blue bloods, and it it makes me wonder with the hiring of Hugh Jackson. Uh, I did see some positive quotes that you know guys like. Um, uh, Doug Williams was excited about the hire. Uh, some other some other uh, famous, well-known alums uh, of Grambling State were excited about the hire for Hugh Jackson. Uh, Hugh Jackson, of course, was on Eddie George's staff this past year yeah. at Tennessee State. And by all accounts, probably did a good job with... Um, Former Grambling quarterback uh, Jeremy Hickbottom, who was at Tennessee State this past year, and I thought uh, he did a better job as the season went along, uh, especially when Tennessee State hit that stride where they hit about four wins in a row. Um, you could see the difference there with Hickbottom, and and maybe some credit in there goes to uh, to uh, Hugh Jackson. I, I I wonder and, and look, all this is happening right at the same time, and, and and I don't know if we talk about this, Drew, in in conjunction with the hire, but the the Grambling State football players deciding to drop their letter of, of their issues, and maybe maybe we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on. We, we talk that we can talk about that in the next segment. But how about the hire of Hugh Jackson? Do you like? You're kind of like, man, good decision. Where Where are you with the? I'm not going to ask you for a grade because I think we're above grades. But where do you Where do you put Hugh Jackson in terms of the hiring process by Grambling? I'm
1: trying to keep up with the Joneses. That's what that. That's what that is to me. I think Grambling is trying to keep up with the Joneses. If we go back to when Coach Prime, Coach Deion Sanders was hired at Jackson State in December of – what year we in now? It's December of 20. Uh, It's it's, it's hard to believe it's only been a year because we've had had two two seats, excuse me, hired in September of 20 and started working in December of Twenty. Uh, right. Let's think about the openings we've had in uh, HBCU football on the Division One level. Right. After, after Coach Prime, we had uh, Dawson Odoms leaving Southern, going yep. to going to Doral
0: State. Yep.
1: Correct. Southern went with an interim who was already on staff and promoted him to interim. All right. Tennessee State went with Eddie George in a, in a surprising move because no one was expecting uh, – well, wow, he's been gone so long I forgot his name. Help me out, Brian.
0: Wait a minute. Say that again.
1: Tennessee State's former coach. Uh, Rod Reed. Yeah. No one expected Rod Reed to leave because, ironically, Rod Reed was one of their own, just like Robert his
0: yeah, they didn't, they renew, didn't renew his deal. contract. They didn't renew his contract. Yeah, they, yeah, they just kind of right. let that go.
1: Yeah, just kind of let left him out there. So they Tennessee State followed the Jackson State trend, went with the NFL player. Now, we've seen what Jackson State has done. But by, by all accounts, Tennessee State has had a had a successful season also after a slow start. Uh finishing, I believe, second in the OVC. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. So now the trend we're starting to see the NFL players. Alabama State goes out and hires Eddie Robinson, Jr. No relation for everybody who needs to know. Uh, former NFL player. Yeah, there's some questions about his background. But hmm, let's see. Tennessee State hired a guy who had never coached, had been an entrepreneur. So why are people fussing at Alabama State for hiring a real estate agent? Just just got to throw it out there. Y'all, yeah. y'all need to be fussing at Tennessee State for starting that trend of hiring people with no coaching experience. At least right. Coach Prime had high school coaching
0: experience. A decade of it. Almost a decade, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. So now, now we're starting to see the NFL trend. So now – This is the, what you got to think about. This is a new trend now, Brian. This is the first coach, former NFL head coach, who's come to HBCU football after having spent a year on Eddie George's staff. So now the question is, and I know this is not even what you asked me, Brian, what is Prairie View going to do? Are they going to continue with this NFL-related trend? Or are they gonna do what Prairie View does and give that hot shot assistant his opportunity?
0: Well, uh before yeah, let let's yeah, that's a great question. We'll 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 save that and talk a little bit about what Prairie View, I'll give you my thoughts on what I think Prairie View is gonna do in the entering interesting position that they find themselves in. I I think here's the here's the attractiveness for Hugh Jackson and you know, there's a report that's coming out on CBS uh, Sports that uh, Grambling's first choice was probably Ed Reed. Uh, there's a report that came out this morning that uh, that Grambling had offered Ed Reed the job first. Okay. Uh, and so Tony Mathers, uh, yes, Ed Reed did turn down the Grambling job. Now, Here's what you got to take into consideration for Ed Reed. Ed Reed is already working with the University of Miami, right? They just made a big time financial investment in their program. One, by pulling pulling one of their own out of Oregon to bring him home. There's a big financial booster commitment. So for Ed Reed, who is a Louisiana native, but he is by far and away strong ties to the U where he starred and played the timing was not right for him. And that's sort of what this article says. I mean, Grambling presented a comprehensive package, uh, one that he considered very seriously and the timing wasn't right because yes, Ed Reed and what's happening at Miami, the U is about to turn around and come back. So the timing is not good for Ed Reed uh, in that respect because of everything that's going on at Miami. Okay, so let's kind of get that out of the way. And I don't think that should be – I don't put that out there to say that Hugh Jackson is not a better fit than Ed Reed because I will take head coaching experience over no head coaching experience any day of the week. Now, when you get into wins and losses – you have to sort of look at that with sort of a, uh, the, with the right kind of frames because both the, the situations that Hugh Jackson was in uh, were not ideal. I mean, he made chicken, what they say, chicken soup out of chicken bleach. Chicken. <laughs> okay. So he was having to work with a lot of mess working for the Raiders and the Bengals uh and, and for grambling i think when you have so many well-known established alums from the nfl having somebody that is going to be able to call scouts and call people and say come to grambling come take a look at this quarterback i've got mm-hmm. Noah biden or whoever else is at grambling because I don't know if scouts are just randomly rolling through that part of Louisiana. I'll I'll be honest. I, I don't know, but I think it helps when you have somebody like Hugh Jackson, who has the kind of name and credibility that is going to, you know, if Hugh says this guy can play, obviously he's got 20 years to be able to compare, you know? So with that respect, I think it's good. Almost in the same respect, for Coach Sanders, that he can look at a guy and use his resources to say that X, Y, and Z can play at the next level. Which one of you, general managers, which one of you, scouts, which one of you guys are going to take the chance on an HBCU guy versus going with the known? Well, I should, when I say known, go with uh, the third string or second string guy at Wisconsin. Notre Dame, Ohio State, because you know that program. Well, look, this kid here is your diamond in the rough that you don't know about.
1: I want to throw something else also out, Brian. Let's think about we've got USFL uh, mm-hmm. making a comeback this uh, spring, so that's more opportunity for people to get uh, to get film and to Not get out USFL. there and, and play. Uh, XFL is a two years is two years away. uh always have had the cfl and not quite sure what was i don't think that other league that played last year i can't remember the name of it uh it's going to be coming back though you know so there are more opportunities for people to get out there get film get these invites so that they can play ball and that's that's all they need is the opportunity
0: yeah that's all they need um Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll toss around the idea of Prairie View. And does it make sense if you're prairie? View, do you go with an assistant coach from one of the programs that are out and about? Do you go with a unknown in the black college coaching search? But he has coached at the power five level. Or do you go with, as you pointed out, Drew, the trend? which is finding somebody who has the strong NFL ties that are going to help your program attract recruits and possibly push a guy or two to the next level. We'll talk about that on the other side. You're watching the Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back in just a moment.
2: It's never too early
3: to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook
1: and Twitter. Supermarket sushi, really?
0: No. Wait, Troy, you work
1: here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Hey, hey.
0: Back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, AD Drew here. Uh, coming back here. Uh, Give me just a second, Drew, as I send a little message to our good producer. Um, want to make mention of the attendance numbers that recently came out for Jackson State. What what was the total number that you uh, that you showed me that we talked about pre show?
1: Uh, it was like forty two thousand. Let me find the post that I had that at uh, Brian.
0: I'm sorry, I thought you had that all ready and ready and fired I, I, up
1: to I, go. I I I, I I I did, but I lost it. Give me give me a second. Ah.
0: Well, okay, so coming into I'm going to reference back to an article on the SWAC website from... uh, 42-293. Okay, 42-293. That's the average over five games,
1: FCS single season record, six games. Uh, I think the SWAC championship game was uh, factored into that.
0: Okay, so uh, congratulations, Jackson State. Blowing it out the water again. And uh, the SWAC, again, will lead... FCS conferences.
1: Can, can, can I put this in perspective before you make that point, Ryan? Sure. Uh, Montana came in number two.
0: 24, 5, 84. Montana, and Montana. Hold on, Drew. Montana is consistently in the top two or three of attendance. So they that 24 is a consistent number every year for Montana. Go ahead.
1: Right. Montana State came in at number four at eighteen nine ninety three. So the two state schools in the state of Montana had to combine to beat Jackson State and only beat them by a hundred uh, by about a hundred.
0: Where did Florida A and M come in at?
1: uh if you give me a minute i will i will pull that up i've just got the top five
0: here right now you know we only do top yeah. fives here on the sports right right <laughs> right i'm sorry <laughs> uh and, and i know and i bring fam you up because fam is always uh usually uh even when it's uh average season but especially in good seasons usually among the top five in attendance numbers so that's why i brought it up but this will be a – I think this will be 43 of the past 44 years that the SWAC has led all FCS or formerly one a conferences in attendance numbers. So, I, I, you know, I know Jackson State, this will be the – Well, I don't know how you're counting. I don't know if we can really count the spring 2020 season, but let's just say fall seasons for fall seasons, fall football seasons – this is the second consecutive fall football season. And just to show the growth, 2019, Jackson State averaged 33,762. So going up to the big jump of 40 something, uh, that, that's a a product of good winning football. And of course, the prime effect. You know, I mean, both of them work hand in hand. Okay, so. But don't take away from the, the 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 football team improving, and then of course their improvement uh, coming at the hands of Coach Prime. And so I'm wait. I guess we'll wait to see what the official numbers are uh, from those NCAA stats. And we were talking about this off the air, and I and I know there's been a lot of talk, and maybe we'll we'll talk to Charles Bishop, who'll be coming on a little bit later uh, to talk with us at the bottom of the hour, but we'll kind of talk to Charles about, you know, there's a lot of, I've heard the talk that Jackson state is considering or looking into plans of building an on-campus stadium. And we talked off air, Drew, what might that look like in terms of size fit, you know, is it realistic for Jackson State to be thinking about building an on-campus stadium that is anywhere near the size of where they play right now at the vet, which is he can seat, I've heard he can seat up to 60, but probably 55, 55 to 60 probably. Doesn't make sense to build something like that. I mean, given your attendance numbers, I think a 40,000 seat stadium seems more realistic with the ability to expand it. I, I'm, I'm curious when we get a chance to talk to Charles what he thinks, but what do you think about the on campus stadium project and what kind of stadium makes sense for Jackson State, Drew? Um,
1: if it's me, just talking size, I'm looking at a 40,000 seat, atten- uh, 40,000 seat. Stadium, is what I would uh, what I would go with. But something that could be expandable for special events, because you definitely when you've got a valley that comes to town, or an Alcorn that comes to town, or a Southern that comes to town, teams that tend to uh, draw, you want to be able to add a few seats to the uh, stadium without having to go to a SRO or standing room only. For those who may not know what the SRO means. Uh, so I would probably go with 40, 42,000, somewhere up in there. Uh, possibly a, you know, a, a lawn section so that people can, you know, you can add lawn seats or something like that to get more people into the stadium. That's kind of the st- design that I would look at versus the enclosed stadium that they have right now.
0: Um, I, I think, if you have an on-campus stadium and you're talking about playing maybe five games out of a year, would what of those five games you maybe move off campus to the vet where you maybe move? Well, yeah, go ahead.
1: Part of the reason that they're talking about uh, the vet is because if you've never been to Jackson, the vet is next to the hospital in Jackson, Mississippi part of the reason and uh, the state and everything was talking about from what I gather as an outsider of them moving on campus away from the vet is so the hospital could take over that property at the vet. So the vet may not be an option if they build that on campus stadium anymore.
0: All right. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll get a chance to talk to Charles and maybe get some, some some thoughts. I know he's probably dug in deep there and, and should be able to uh, to share some things uh, about that. Let, let me we before the break we were talking about the open search. Now back in uh, maybe about four or five weeks ago, if you took the over when I threw out three and a half new coaches in the swag, ding ding ding, winner winner chicken dinner, because we will have at least four new coaches in the slack and it sort of has played out the way we, the way I envisioned when I set the number at three and a half, you know, I now one there's one opening, which hasn't happened and I, and good because I didn't think it would happen. I'm not going to mention it, but uh, the opening of preview is now the fourth new coach. That'll be into the SWAC for next year. So that's one third of the Nope. They got that right? One quarter of the SWAC will have new coaches next year. All right. That means. And three the of those, main...
1: three of those uh, four openings are in the West, by the way.
0: Yes. Yes. Brand new openings in the West. So uh, oh, that's 50% make, percent of the West. That's going to make Alcorn State feel really good. The fact that you have the. Most tenured coach, and I think now does that make Coach McNair, Fred McNair, the most tenured coach in the SWAC? Now that Odoms is gone, Fobs is gone. Uh, I'm doing a quick scroll do through you, my head. So,
1: do you count? Do you count Sims? How long has Sims been a Bethune
0: ooh, since they are uh, now a
1: SWAC ooh. team? He's not tenured in the SWAC, but tenured with his program. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because uh, he's been there that for would be
1: That would be the only one who would be able to challenge
0: that, possibly. Yes. So, yeah, that's a good. I, I, if I said in the swack, I'd go McNair, Coach McNair. And if you just said with your program, it probably would be Coach Sims, because I think he's on year eight or nine now. And I think McNair is on year seven. I don't know, somebody don't out there, you guys right. hit us up with some correct numbers there if we're off there. So, the names that are running amok for the Prairie View head coaching position. First name out the box, Kevin Sumlin. Uh, little known fat, Drew. Coach Kevin Sumlin is from my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. His father served as a deacon at the church I grew up with my father. Just a little, I've never met Kevin Sumlin, but. I would love to be able. To, <laughs> I would love to be able to, you know, meet Kevin Sumlin and say, you know, my father was a deacon with your father at New Bethel Baptist, uh, New Bethel Missionary Baptist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, always spoke very highly of uh, your father. Anyway, uh, so I, I just had to toss it out there. Shout out to uh, New Bethel, in Indianapolis, uh, <laughs> where I grew up. And, and okay, anyway, but yeah, Kevin Sumlin <laughs> is is the name. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff being tossed out there, uh, 24-7 sports, HBCU Game Day, all saying that uh, – now, here's the thing. I don't know if it's Kevin Sumlin has been contacted by Prairie View. I'm looking at the Game Day, HBCU Game Day article, uh, that he's been contacted about the job. And there were some thoughts that he was contacting schools about a job because I think Sumlin who was formerly at Houston parlayed that into a big payday at Texas A&M. Then when they let him go, he parlayed that into a bigger gig at Arizona, which is outstanding by the way. Hey, there are not too many black men in college football who have transitioned up. You know, I mean, so props to Kevin Sumlin, for at one point, he was one of the top three or four highest paid coaches. And we're talking well over $5 million, almost in that $7 million range. So uh, props to Kevin Sumlin uh, and, and his agent. But, um, you know, well, so him coming into the area looking to get back coaching, I, I think this is a point where you got somebody who, if you're Prairie View, this I don't want to say this is his last job, but you got somebody who realistically drew. He may say this could be my last coaching opportunity, and let me take everything that I've done and give back to the HBCU community because he doesn't have to go chase money and chase big contracts. He's worked at two I think he still program. I
1: think he still got
0: bouts that he's getting paid on. You know what? He might be. I was kind of doing a quick search here <laughs> and kind of see if who's still paying. Texas him A&M you know? gave him a good
1: buyout because he was at was he was at A&M last. Texas A&M last. Yeah. He, well, no, he was at Arizona
0: Jim- last. He was at Arizona. Right, I know. Last.
1: I, I know Texas A&M bought about to hire Jimbo.
0: Yes. So uh, uh, yeah, he was. So I'm reading the report here from. Uh, game day especially game day he was let go by a- texas a&m after the 2017 season he was 51 and 26 which look come on dude. i mean 51 and 26 and but anyway he 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 moved up uh he went 3 seasons at arizona which is not a football place look that's him I mean, he was nine and 20 in those three years there, but Arizona is not a football program. And God bless him for trying to do some hell. Everyone has failed there in Arizona. Even Rich Rodriguez has failed, who I think came in after Sumlin. But uh, Sumlin was uh, owed a buyout north of $7 million from the University of Arizona. Um, And the article states that any money he makes coaching would be subtracted from what he's owed. So, yeah, technically he could come in and say, "Oh, you only have to pay me couple hundred thousand dollars." Yeah, exactly. One dollar. That's not going to happen. He could realistically he could do uh, Arizona that way and say, "Yeah, they still owe me money." So you know, you don't have to come up with a lot. But I I don't think that would happen anyway. and you know his former assistant coach Clarence McKinney is over at Texas Southern, so that would be pretty interesting. The fact that they're in the West, you've got uh, uh, those two who worked the Houston area and were friends and colleagues and, and, and coaching together. So, uh, what, what's your thought on Sumlin as I sc- as I scour through a couple of these articles and try to see who are some of the other names that are up for consideration?
1: Okay, assuming if something comes in, does this start a new trend? You know, we've got the NFL trend. Does this start a trend of former Power Fives coming to HBCU? I'm, I'm just all, th- I'm just throwing something out there. You know, I, I, I I'm, I'm trying to figure out because you because you know what happened then that when the next coach leaves at HBCU, mm-hmm. there'll be another Power Five guy who's trying to
0: reinvent himself. Who will come to H to an HBCU? Let me let me simplify That's- that. Let me simplify that. Do you want someone who has head coaching experience or not? Because there are candidates out there, and I and look, I, I I'm 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 just going to throw a couple names and, and shout out to uh, Kyle Mosley, SI. He throws out a couple of names from off the Jackson State staff, uh, Gary Harrell or AKA Coach Fleet, Dennis Thurman, yes. the DC for. Uh, um, uh, Jackson State. How Jackson about State. KJ Black, the, the offense, co-offensive coordinator at FAMU, who is a Prairie View alum. I mean, so there's options. That be all, three can, guys, can all three of those guys do not have head coaching experience like Sumlin though. So what do you want, Drew? You want experience or you want to give the next guy a chance?
1: How, how about let's give some guys an opportunity to move up? A.K.A. Quentin Morgan from Langston, who's done nothing but one at Langston. AKA David David Wilson, who's done nothing but one at Bowie State. Reginald Ruffin, who's done nothing but one at uh at Miles College. What about That's these smaller guys experience. with head coaching experience, but they don't have that division one or FCS experience? What about these guys getting left out of the weeds right now? Let's have that conversation also, Brian.
0: Ooh, okay. I look. I I mean, look. You you bringing up valid points, Drew. I I don't. You know. Uh, this is look. Doctor Donald Reed, the new athletic director as of uh, July of 2020. Uh, you, you know, you you go dig into his background and go see where Doctor Reed is coming from. And, you know, uh, based on his experiences, you know, you could probably begin to figure out or maybe guesstimate on where he might go. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I, I would not be... He's, a, as I'm reading sort of his uh, little bio here, he is a Texan. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with the more polished Kevin Sumlin, you know, who has recruiting, has a recruiting base, knows Texas, knows Houston. I I, I think that might be the splash for Doctor Reed. The question is, you know, can you make it work? You know, can, I, I'm more will, concerned about will the alumni go?
1: Will the alumni go for it?
0: Can you fill up that beautiful uh, 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 stadium? Because shame. I mean, I looked at some of those preview games. The there were a lot of empty seats in that beautiful stadium. And that's a shame. That's a shame. That's a double double decker stadium on the home side, I think. Uh that there should that that you shouldn't have empty seats at that place. I, you know, I don't know. You know, Doc Doc will tell you, or maybe some of the other folks. Uh, that we talk to on a regular might uh, might tell you, but I don't know why is why why is no one coming out to pra- and previews in the midst of a winning season and where's the crowd at? Anyway, I digress. Well, uh, we've got a we've let's got a good a friend. We, we've got Charles Bishop coming up, I believe, on the other side, right, Drew? Um, so it's let's take a break. Yeah, let's take a break and come back with Charles Bishop, and we'll we'll break down the Celebration Bowl and try to see if we can find a way for South Carolina State to score 21 points, 22, because Coach Prime has said if they can't score more than 21 points, you ain't beating them, and he might be right, so let's find out as we talk to uh, Charles Bishop of the pregame show on the other side, you're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap, we'll be back in just a moment.
3: My attorney Clinton Paris and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt.
0: Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean? Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get him! It just cleans better. With a diamond leaf texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, cream bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we all go.
2: Why not enjoy the go with Charmin?
0: For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama
1: Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change.
2: as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports with me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports on Dr. Kaville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture Dismiss.
3: And he picks up a first down.
2: And I'm going to go back to, you know, we talked to our friends, uh, Charles Bishop and Neely, they follow Jackson State football and having dinner with them. I mean, they said this team feels like nobody can score three times on them. Three times. He didn't say if it was three field goals, three touchdowns. Prairie View has scored twice. Touchdown, field goal. That's how good this defense is. And Whoa, they are as good as advertised. Fourth best in all of
1: FCS. It got to get to the point where whoever we're doing the
2: broadcast that week of the game, they're going to have to sit down with y'all because y'all know us better than everybody. And y'all know some of the inside stuff that I may not tell them because I don't trust them. Sure, trust us. Trust y'all. appreciate that trust. appreciate that. Much
0: love, baby. Uh, Well, joining us after that uh, great lead-in is a good friend (laughs) of the program and (laughs) co-host of the pregame show, Mr. Charles Bishop. Charles, thanks for taking some time to join us, man. How you doing?
3: I'm doing uh, great. I appreciate you guys inviting
0: me on. Uh, The reason we brought that up is because we were talking about it um, how, how cool, I, for lack of a better adjective, is it that, you know, all of the stuff that you've seen this past season, this journey, is what I like to call it, that you, uh, as an alum, a fan, you grew up with Jackson, you're covering it with, with Neely, uh, and here it is like, like coach prime said, you know, giving you guys the access and the ability to information so that national networks are coming to you to get info. Uh, how cool is that?
3: Oh, it's tremendous. I mean, uh, when you talk about the, uh, the access that Coach Prime has given us as well as uh, uh, the rest of the assistant coaches, Uh, to be sitting in team meetings, to be sitting in film room, uh, to learn what they learned during the course of the week and watch it uh, go into action on game day. Uh, It's been a phenomenal experience, and I I couldn't ask for more. You know, like you said, I grew up on on Jackson State football. I've been a fan of Jackson State football, and to be able to, quote-unquote, be behind the curtain uh, to watch how it's all made, uh, it's been phenomenal.
1: Uh, let, let me ask you this, Charles, before we get into uh, talking about Jackson State sp- specifically. Like you say, growing up there in Jackson, Jackson, you're a native of Jackson and a Jackson alum. What, is, what would you say was that one or two things that when you got behind the scenes that you discovered that maybe as a kid you like didn't know it was, and, and it, like, it, it changed your perspective or something, or even as an adult, once you got there, behind the scenes, seeing what you seen, that was totally different than what you expected this year.
3: Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think one of the first to, first things is uh, you are kind of reverent of the program, but to see how much work goes in, uh from from Monday through Friday, uh, from literally from Sunday through Friday, uh, it has been uh, phenomenal to kind of watch up close. Uh, I I have to say that this staff has really put this team through the paces and uh, they are, you know, it is competition. I think that's the, that's the thing that jumps out at you on a on a daily basis, it, it is never a situation where you're not in a competitive spirit. So I think that's one of the things that really has jumped out uh, with me this uh, this past season to, and watching Jackson State football. And like I said, it, it's been a phenomenal to watch you watch uh, uh, the growth of these student athletes uh, from literally from the first week of August through now. Uh, They've grown leaps and bounds uh, in front of the camera, as well as leaps and gra- uh, leaps and bounds in terms of their development as a football player.
1: Mm-hmm. Last thing, give before Mariah gets into the football. Give us your best Coach Prime moment behind the scenes.
3: All right. hey, let me let me tell you something. If, <laughs> if uh, he was not an NFL Hall of Famer, he literally could be a stand-up comedian. He is he is. Uh, he is uh, a riot. He has a laugh a minute. Uh, his observations about any and everything uh, he can turn it into an eight-minute stand-up. He is—he is, he is literally an extremely funny dude. The gregarious personality uh, it extends to whatever, and it's not so. So that's you natural. Can't talk on. It's very natural. I promise you, he could be a, an excellent comedian.
0: <laughs> hey, um, one of the things we got into talking about, as it relates to, of course, Jackson State recognized. Uh, with the average of 42,000 plus in the FCS uh, home attendance number, by far and away blown, nearly doubled up the number two school uh, who's a regular uh, in that top three or four. Uh, the previous fall, 2019, Jackson State averaged 33,000 plus. And we got to talking about the stadium talk because I know that's out there about mm-hmm. building an on-campus stadium. And we were kind of talking about if Jackson State built an on-campus stadium, would the perfect size be more in the 40,000 seat range that it could expand out? Or would it be building something as big as what they're already playing in? What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, and you may you may already have ideas or know what plans are in the works, but just what are your thoughts on stadium and size, so on and so forth?
3: Yeah, I think 40,000 is probably that, uh, a good uh, median number that I think will would, would accommodate Jackson State's fan base. And you take a look at some of the teams that come in. Uh, a lot of people don't know Mississippi Valley State has a tremendous fan base. The uh, Mississippi Delta uh, follows that football team, and they will travel when that uh, Mississippi Valley State team is winning. I remember back in 1984 when Tottenham Rice was there, uh, their fan base rivaled anybody's fan base in the swag. Uh, but uh, when you talk about uh, Valley, Southern, Alcorn, uh, I'm sure uh, once we start doing home and homes with fam, <laughs> uh, you, you, you're probably talking about a consistent uh, 35,000 easily that should easily reach up to 45, possibly 50. So I think 40 would be that, uh, just that perfect number if we would build an on-campus stadium. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so I go to the next question. Uh, what, what is the latest talk or what is the latest on rumors and things that you have heard about that process?
3: Yeah, I mean, there have been feasibility studies. and uh, I think it's uh, well known that uh, University of Mississippi Medical Center wants uh, that property where Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium is. And uh, they've, you know, looked at the link or the, the land uh, between Jackson State and the downtown area, which Jackson State is roughly, you know, five minutes from downtown Jackson. So uh, you're trying to put it uh, in an area that uh, can of, be a natural link into the Jackson business community. But I I think there, there are arguments at least on on both sides, because you will have some people who will argue uh, what is the need of uh, on campus stadium when you have this uh, obvious recruiting tool, this recruiting uh, tool, no other FCS, uh, you know, uh, team in the country beyond Yale has a 60,000 seat stadium, 62,500. Uh, it is a huge recruiting advantage. And then you have to take a look at uh, the question is, would you get the support from the Jackson corporate community uh, to have a 20 year suite, you know, or to have that, that uh, signage on the field. So I think there are arguments on both sides as to whether uh, there is the need for 40,000 seat stadium, 45,000 seat stadium, or if you can uh, continue to hold on to this jewel and look at trying to, you know, refurbish it or, or whatever that you need to do. but it is definitely a, a recruiting star or a recruiting asset that is in Jackson State's toolbox.
1: And it is not that you guys have a sixty thousand seat stadium. It's the fact that you do a good job at filling up that sixty thousand seat stadium is the recruiting tool. Because because if you got a sixty thousand seat stadium with five thousand people there, just ask Tennessee State what that looks like. Uh, but yeah, but I, I mean, digress. I mean, you make a great point. I mean, uh,
3: Jackson State football is. It is definitely something that's woven into the, the community of Jackson. And I've said this for quite some time. Jackson State football is unique in that uh, that fan base has not been peeled away by Ole Miss, USCM, or Mississippi State. Uh, whereas, you know, you look at other states and uh, the African-American population gets peeled away, uh, to pulling for Alabama, pulling for Auburn, pulling for LSU. It doesn't quite, it hasn't quite happened that way uh, to that large extent. Uh, as you watch with Jackson State football. So, by and large, they've been able to keep their fan base uh, from going all the way back to the 60s.
1: Yeah. And, and well speaking, said. speaking of Jackson State football, here's the question. And the lead-in actually uh, gave, gave us a premise for the question. Can South Carolina State either, A, figure out a way to score more than 21 points, because that's the magic number for Jackson State. They don't give up mm-hmm. 21 Or, B, can South Carolina State hold Jackson State under 21 points to give themselves a chance since Jackson State doesn't give up 21 points? What you say, Charles uh, Bishop?
3: Uh, It's going to be extremely difficult for a team to score uh, three times or more than three times on this Jackson State defense. You're talking about the number two defense in the nation, and you're talking about a defense, uh, their first mantra, is stop the run. And when they are able to stop the run and can pin their ears back and come after the quarterback, they're the best in the nation. I mean, when you take a look at it, uh, they are, they have 53 sacks, I believe, which leads the nation in sacks. Uh, they're averaging like, uh, close to five sacks a game. So they, the one state, you know, take away your one thing that you do really well and everybody wants to run the football and everybody wants to be physical. Uh, they, they've done a tremendous job all season. in stopping the run. I think you've only had a couple of occasions where, uh, you've had a hundred yard rusher. Uh, Texas Southern actually did a tremendous job. I thought schematically. Uh, of getting Jackson State back on their heels. But they scored at 21 points uh, uh, in the first half. They didn't get anything else going forward. So uh, you're talking about a team for the past four games, uh, they held their opponents scoreless in the fourth quarter. So it's going to be a, a, a difficult task for South Carolina State to Uh, A, get to that 21 points and score more than that 21 points, but yes, when you take a look at them, one of the things you take a look at with South Carolina State, you're talking about a team with multiple all-MEAC selections, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, those linebackers, those guys jump out to me when you talk about Chad Gilchrist and B.J. Davis, Uh, they're one-two on the team in terms of tackles. Uh, defensive line, they're active. Patrick gobbled Octavian mentor you know, they're, they're, they're a, a very formidable defense. So can they hold Jackson State's offense? Yes, because I, I think, as we've seen, you know, uh, Jackson State is, I think, uh, last in the slack in terms of rushing. So when you put all the pressure on Shador Sanders' uh, shoulders to make plays downfield, uh, you have a, a great opportunity to, to keep them from scoring.
2: Uh, you
0: folks out there watching us, uh, make sure you uh, hit the comments. Let us know your score predictions. Jackson State, last I saw an 11-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, hmm. It might have gone up. Who knows? There might be a lot of Jackson State money coming in, so who knows? But uh, let's start start getting those score predictions in now. Let us know. I saw Mike Reed drop a 28-21 score uh, that South Carolina State covers, but uh, Jackson State comes out with the win. Um Speaking of South Carolina State's running, you you mentioned uh, their ability or Jackson State's defense ability to stop the run. South Carolina State comes into this averaging just under 142 yards per game, and you know we understand. And I don't know. Would you say uh, I'm trying to just go through my head and say who had to come? Who had a good rushing attack that's comparable? I don't know if it's Prairie View or Fam, and those two are at two different ends of the season. Can you think of anybody, Charles, that might have a rushing attack that's similar? And that the quarterback, their quarterback, Corey Fields, has the ability to run. We saw what he did beginning of the season against Alabama A&M. Uh, who might be the comparable opponent that Jackson State has had that rushes as well as South Carolina State does?
3: Uh, I think a comparable uh, opponent in terms of having a physical offensive line and uh, having a team that can really wear you down uh, running the football would be Southern. Uh, Southern is a tremendous uh, football team in terms of running the football, very physical offensive line. We saw all the all swag selections they had in the spring. Uh, still a, a great job in terms of running football. Didn't have the season that they wanted, but they were a physical line, and, and Jackson State was able to go into Baton Rouge and really snuff out that running game. And, and like I said, pin that years back and come after the quarterback. So I think when you're talking about and when I take a look, I always look at those MIAC offensive lines with reverence because what we've seen in the Celebration Bowl over the past five, six years is that they have the ability to come in and beat you up physically. Uh, to me, the comparable team to that would,
0: would, uh, would be Southern. But when you when you right. I, when you say that though, can't you almost say? But really, that's like one program. I mean, like A has been to four of these, right? If I, if I have it right, four of the past five. Central mm-hmm. was at the was the other one, so it really has been the North Carolina program. Well, North, <laughs> North Carolina but, has represented. But, but, Brian, but Brian, take take a look at the MIAC
1: SWAC challenges with those MIAC teams play those Swag teams. It's it's the same story that we get in the Celebration Bowl. It seems like the BAC teams come in a lot more physical than the, than the SWAC teams, and, and, and let's be real. The SWAC teams are, are built on finesse, it seems like, if you just want to car- characterize it, and the BAC teams are built on power power run games. So, you know, it's just not in the Celebration Bowl, BX SWAC challenges. Biak has B- winning the series at, as of late, so you know it. Uh, hopefully, Jackson State comes in prepared. We saw what no one gave Central a chance against Alcorn in August, and what happened? Central handed it to Alcorn. So, well, you know, uh, and that's your a comment, point, Charles.
3: Uh, That's a great point, but I would also take a look at it from this standpoint. Jackson State has literally been getting everybody's best punch. Uh, all throughout the season, uh, so they are a very seasoned uh, football team. When you take a look at them at this point, uh, I think they've gotten everybody's just best punch all throughout the season. When you take a look at the 21 points that Texas Southern scored, you know I think Texas Southern really, uh, in in so many ways, uh, played above and beyond in that particular game. But and, and um, uh Corey Howard had a, a tremendous game uh, against Jacksonville running football, had 198 yards rushing, but Uh, Again, they were able to schematically make some changes uh, in the second half and they cut the rushing part out. So, you know, you know, you just take a look at it's going to take quite a bit to overcome this Jackson State defense. And it's a historic Jackson State defense. When you talk to a lot of Jackson State fans, the defenses that come out are are the 1987 defense uh, that I believe held opponents to like 12.9 points per game and the 1996 Black College National Championship defense. And this defense is, is definitely in that conversation. Uh, Jackson State uh, coming into this game only giving up 13 and a half points a game. So, uh, And they have been fast, physical. Uh, they've met every sort of uh, dynamic in terms of uh, offense that you could take a look at. They've, they've had the running quarterback. They've had the pocket quarterback. They've stopped you know whomever's rushing game. So uh, they have met all the metrics.
0: Um, all right, Charles, let me get you out of here on this. Give give, give uh, the folks, and I, and I know you're going to be doing this all week, but uh, give us something that, uh, that folks can key on uh, as it relates to, whether it's offense versus defense, um, special teams, something that folks need to pay attention to from the Jackson State side as it relates to their preparation and getting ready for South Carolina State.
3: One of the things that you've seen all throughout the year – Uh, is good plays beget good plays with Jackson State, and it becomes a feeding frenzy. Everybody wants to get in on it. So if they're able to get a little bit of uh, 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 a good play here, a good play there, if they seem to just feed off of the good feelings in in that regards, and then I really look for Jackson State to have a 12-man advantage in this celebration bowl, and once the fans Mm -hmm. get involved in it, That is another something. You know, it's like chum in the water, especially uh, for this defense. But if you really take a look at it, you know, I think special teams. Zay Bolden uh, is a dynamic kick returner. Uh, Warren Newman is a dynamic punt returner. Uh, Southern uh, was the one team that I thought schematically – Took that element of the uh, took that element of the game away from Jackson State. Uh, they just went with uh, pooch kicking and just didn't kick it to Bolton and kicking away from Warren Newman. So that'll be one of those things that I sort of start taking a look at: was, uh will South Carolina State kick to those guys? We saw Prairie View, uh, you know, took their chances and, and kicked to both of them, and uh, they paid dearly with a kick return. And, and Warren Newman almost broke at least two punt returns. So.
0: Uh, I'm not going to ask you a score prediction. I'm going to ask you an attendance-related question. Final question: Over or under? I'm going to set it high, forty-two five, forty-two five hundred. Over or under forty-two five hundred? Over. Definitely over. over? Oh. Okay. Yeah, this okay. is
3: this is uh these uh this Jackson State fan base. They have waited for this moment. Uh, it started <laughs> a with the SWAC championship. But this uh, Celebration Bowl, they've heard it. They've watched. they've watched Alcorn go for the past, you know, X number of years. They've been <laughs> yes. at the mouth to get to the Celebration Bowl. So now that they have the opportunity, you get to see this Jackson State fan base up close and in full throat. Uh, they're looking forward to it. So I'm definitely over 42.
0: Okay. If y'all get it done, all, I, know, I know you guys are going to be giving Alcanites hell for the next uh, decade talking about, we let y'all you go in. Believe- you, you, you- Oh, boy, that's going to be – just add more fuel <laughs> to the fire. All right, Charles, Hey, um, make sure to pay attention all week. Uh, Dr. Camille's inside the HBCU Sports what? Lab Tuesday and Thursday night. Uh, any, When's any the episodes, show going to drop? I was going to say, what, go what, go what drop, kind of things up. are you doing with the pregame show? Any any shows this week? Uh, we're in, in the midst of getting
3: interviews now, embedding interviews within the show, and look for – our show to uh, come out uh latter part of this week. I think there was a huge uh, meet and greet on Friday for the Jackson state alumni. So uh, we're putting our hands together in terms of putting something together for this upcoming Friday uh, so that everybody gets an opportunity to see this Jackson state alumni, this Jackson state fan base that is so looking forward to the celebration goal.
0: Well said. All right. So that means you guys need to go make sure you hit the bell, not only on my JBN one, but go over to the pregame show Hit the bell, uh, like, and subscribe, so that way you get notified when these shows go live. Hey, Charles, enjoy the week, man. It's got to be fun Mm -hmm. when your school is in this position. Hopefully one day, God bless, we'll we'll get the opportunity to to experience it. But uh, enjoy the week, man, and I know we'll see you out there. No doubt about it. I appreciate you guys
3: inviting me on.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll be back on the other side of this uh, commercial with Mo Carter to close us out. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment.
2: Nope.
0: Nope. You want him?
2: Ooh, I like
1: him. Ah! Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times
0: more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight.
1: He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper.
0: One too. Welcome back to the BCSM Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Joining us right now to close out the show, good friend Mo Carter, WZDX in Huntsville, Alabama. Mo, how are we doing tonight?
2: Hey, doing well, man. Just getting ready um, for another night of action-packed sports on my newscast, and then we'll knock out some things for my 30-minute show um, right after that. A lot of things to talk about with football and basketball and a couple other sports here in the Tennessee Valley. And it's going to be pretty jam-packed, and at the same time, keeping my eye out on, you know, the comes and goings of these coaches around the HBCU realm as well.
0: Yeah, so let's start right there. Uh, Eric Dooley comes home, man. He's coming back. Uh, you uh, as a former Southern player. Now, you you played when uh, Dooley was on staff, yes? Yes, yes. I was on the staff when right. Coach Dooley was there. So, so give us your thoughts on Dooley coming home, and, and what the, what does that mean for Southern's program?
2: Well, quite frankly, um, I've talked to a bunch of my former teammates um, who also played with me when Coach Dooley was there, and everybody's ecstatic about having him back as the head man. Um, one thing you can actually say of water is, like, not only was Coach Dooley like a likable coach, he was one of those coaches that you knew Back in the day, eventually he was going to find success at the head coaching level. It was just going to be a matter of time. And also considering the fact that, hey, he is a Louisiana guy He's from New Orleans. He's a graduate of the Southern University System. Played at Grambling, was on Coach Pete Richardson's staff for so many years. It almost was just fitting that he was going to make a return to Southern University in Baton Rouge. His daughter is also an undergrad at the school. So a lot of things really came to play into his favor with that. It was just a perfect opportunity for that. And also, I think me being as an alumnus, I like the hire primarily because Coach Dooley understands the culture at Southern. He also understands that the fan base wants to see the team be winners and also wants to see them compete for championships. So because of that, he understands these things. He's not blindsided coming into it. And also for sure, he knows he's got to hit the ground running. As a matter of fact, I think I looked at today in one of the alumni groups. I think he's already picked up like two, uh, two commits as well. One is a grad transfer and one high school guy in the past 24 hours. So, I mean, that goes to show you that he is definitely trying to work. And also you got to keep this in mind too. His staff isn't full- put the guess yet so because of that he's doing a lot of this footwork right now and you know it's it's an exciting time and the other good thing too was that he has his former coach my former coach Pete Richardson right there on his side helping him through some things matter of fact if you looked at the press conference last week when he got up to the podium and received you know the hat and everything thing before he even started talking. He saw Coach Richardson in the um in the crowd, ran over to him, shook his hand, gave him a big old hug, and was like, thank you so much. And then he was like, all right, now let me talk about football.
0: Yeah, that, that's a beautiful synergy. When you can have a legend like Coach Richardson there and sort of that that uh intrinsic passing of the torch kind of thing going on. Um now of course the other blue blood in the state of Louisiana uh and in black college football Grambling hires Hugh Jackson and forever we will debate Hugh Jackson versus Eric Dooley. What's your thoughts on the Hugh Jackson hire by Grambling?
2: I will say this: um, I was a little surprised just because the Jacks—not Jackson—I'm sorry—the uh, the Grambling State hire or whatever the, the process leading up to it—it it was pretty quiet, honestly. You know, I'd ask some of the family members that I, that I have who actually went to Grambling and other people who were close to the situation, and a lot of people really hadn't heard much. Then all of a sudden, you know, you kind of heard the Ed Reed rumors a little bit, and then you heard uh, Hugh Jackson. All of a sudden, somebody got wind of it, and next thing you know, Hugh Jackson is hired at Grambling State to take over um, up there in Lincoln Parish, North Louisiana, which I'll say this. Um, Travion Scott, the new athletic director for Grambling, who also... Is an alum, plus he was also in the inaugural uh, Southern University 40 Under 40 Alumni Association um, cohort with me. He is a guy who is very, very smart and eager to get some things going. So I think for sure he looked at it and said, I've got to make a splash and a hire. And I really think, too, bringing a guy like Hugh Jackson in, yeah, it's a risk, but at the same time, too, God knows how to coach. I think it's just a matter of how much does his coaching from the NFL side translate over to the college. Yes, he was under – Eddie George, this past season at Tennessee State, they saw moderate success or whatever, but now he's a head man. So it's going to be, you know, quite interesting to say the least. But the Grambling folks who I've talked to in Texas, with or what, they're kind of excited about it. I think they're kind of in the same mindset as Southern folks. They're just like, hey, we want to see our teams be successful on the field, in the classroom, and compete for championships.
1: All right, Now, now Bo, let me ask you this. You're there in the state of Alabama. I know you cover Alabama A&M right now, but it's been pretty quiet since Eddie Robinson Jr. was hired at Alabama State. Have you heard anything from Alabama State alumni or followers about what they think about the hire of Eddie Robinson there in that state?
2: Yeah, I've, um, I've talked to a couple of people um, who are actually here in um, the Huntsville area who are Alabama State grads, including a guy who played for Alabama State like in the late 70s, and the actual reaction to Eddie Robinson has been actually pretty positive for the most part. Um, I will say this, uh, those folks did tell me were a little shocked or whatever about it, but like the guy who played for Alabama State, though I spoke to, um, he basically said this. He was like, hey, I'm a former football player. Eddie Robinson, former football player. Eddie has kept up with the program for so many years, um, you know, traveling back and forth. And for many people that don't know, when I worked in Montgomery and I was the play-by-play play person for Alabama State, uh, football and basketball, Eddie was actually my color analyst for two seasons. So the guy knows his stuff just in general, but I really think too, just really, it's going to be balling down to uh hey, he does know his X's and O's, but I really think he's got to put together a really good staff around him for them uh, to be successful just in general. Now don't get me wrong, Eddie Robinson was a heck of a football player. Swag defensive player of the year in the early 90s. I think I've heard in his speech that the year before, uh, Aeneas Williams was the swag defensive player of the year, and then Michael Strahan was the year after him, so he always felt that he never um, really made it up to the level of those guys or whatever. So now he wants to find a way to do it on the coaching level, and maybe he can take some things up a notch. So, yeah, there is some excitement or whatever with that Alabama State situation. Also, too, I kind of have that feeling that they kind of already had that thing going just in general, or at least the conversation for a while or whatever, because it's like, hey – turkey day classic here it is then later on that evening you see the recap and then alabama state will have a press conference introducing the new coach like later on that evening so i got a feeling there was some inner work going on in the latter part of the season i mean me personally knowing eddie i'm very excited for him um just in general i hope he does well but me as the sports anchor here in huntsville hope they do well except for the last weekend in the um month of
1: october, <laughs> in october. yeah all right, uh, quickly, uh, ta- our time is running short, so I want to ask you a, a football question about the Celebration Bowl. You've seen both teams in the Celebration Bowl there in your stadium. Give us a quick take on something that fans need to look forward to give an early indication
2: on who's going to uh, win in this game. So, quite frankly, we, we know Jackson State is the uh, favorite. I think they're 11 or 12-point favorite just in general. The thing South Carolina State's going to have to do, yes, they do have an explosive offense or whatever, but we've seen how good Jackson State's defense is. So honestly, I feel that Jackson State, no, excuse me, South Carolina State and Buddy 2, they're going to have to do one or two things to even stay in this. One, they're going to have to get some defensive turnovers and parlay that into better field position for their offense. Or they're going to have to find a way to get some points on special teams. If they can find ways to get points in other realms besides offense or whatever, then they've got a legitimate shot in that situation. But... You know, at the end of the day, I mean, Jackson has kind of showed that, hey, they're kind of the cream of the crop just in general. So it would be a huge upset if Buddy Pugh and them could definitely pick up the W just in general. Um, and I also kind of look at it like this. I think years past, we've seen South Carolina State beat a good defensive team. I think offensively, they've been the better on the better side of the ball. So with that bid... Can their offense move against Jackson State's defense? I'm not exactly sure. That's why I think their defense is going to have to find a way to get turnovers or get stops to put their offense in better field position to get scores easier because, let's be frank, they're not driving the ball 80 and 75 yards down the field against that Jackson State uh, offense – I mean defense and finding success on uh, next Saturday.
0: I, You know, it's funny you say that because I think they they might look, – look, there have been teams that have had moments – like Texas Southern had three quarters of good ball against Jackson. There's there's moments, I, I just think there's always a quarter where Jackson State just finds a way to just blank you while they're putting 14, 17, 20 on the board. Can South Carolina State avoid that quarter? That's that's what's going to be interesting. Can South Carolina State avoid that quarter where they have no production, and whether it's because of special teams, defense, whatever, like Jackson State all of a sudden runs off two, three scores in a row, and then you're looking at the scoreboard like, oh, hell, now we're down. We went from a three-point ball game to down 17. That's what I think they right. have to avoid. But what's, uh, what's your score prediction?
2: Oh, man, you know, I don't really give too many of these, <laughs> just in general. Um, if I had to go with a score prediction right now, I'd probably say Jackson State 30, South Carolina State 17.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Jackson State 31, South Carolina State 17. That's where I'm at now. I'm going to try, try to be consistent. And that's for all you guys out there, anybody watching. Be consistent with your predictions. Look, I know nothing – short of an injury, nothing's changing. So if you jump on one of these networks and say 28-21, you better stick to that by Thursday and Friday when people come up and talking to you, what's your score? All of a sudden people are like, oh, I think it's going to be a Oh hell, you – Keep your predictions. Uh, Drew, what's your prediction? Uh,
2: 27-9
0: Jackson State. 27-9 Jackson State. All right. All right. Well said. Well said. Uh, Mo, thank you for your your time. Uh, Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter. Mo, give folks where they can find you at on Twitter again before I mess it up. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, sir. It, on Twitter, it's at Mo, Mo Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R, Fox 54. And it's also at Mo Carter, Fox 54 on Facebook. You can check out my recaps on um, things going on here in North Alabama and Huntsville, including with Alabama a and you know, I may sprinkle a few other things in there just in general with some of the other schools I have going on. But this is an HBCU Center show, so we're just going to talk about H B see you just in general but you'll see some other things if you head over uh to my social media because hey we got to cover a lot here in the state of alabama including a high yeah yeah
0: it'll be interesting to hear what coach mayner well i was just gonna say it'll be interesting to see coach mayner having played both teams it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts and i'm sure you'll you'll be on that but i mean it'll be interesting to hear what he says about both opponents as well go ahead go ahead drew
1: I would say yeah. And uh, next time we get you on here, we're gonna have to talk about the Alabama A&M women's basketball team because they're uh, they're off to a pretty good start this year. So uh, as we get ready for Swag Play, we definitely want to get you in to talk about uh, the women's yeah, A&M basketball team. I would say that they've
2: been battle-tested. I know that the um, the record only shows one in six, but in those six losses against some really really good teams, they were in those games for a long long period of time until. Those um, other teams started to pull away. But that game this past week against Sanford down in um, Birmingham, that was huge. Nigeria Jones with 28 points. She just could not miss. It was like she was throwing ocean. That's that's just how, how good she was in, in that scenario uh, just in general. But, yeah, Coach Margaret Richards always has her team prepped and ready. Uh, I think they'll be battle tested by the time they get in the SWAC play, which, oh, my God, it starts in like, what, three, four weeks? It's crazy to just show you how quickly things go um, in the calendar. So, yeah, it'll be a very, very interesting year as we transition from the end of football into basketball. But I think it's going to be some fun times in the SWAC. And I'm also interested to see how everybody's going to stack up against the two Florida schools in their first season for SWAC basketball.
0: And Alabama AM has our uh, Women's BCSN Player of the Year, Dariana Lewis. So, I mean, of course, Alabama a is going to be balling this year. We, we we know that because she works. She, she's she's a walking bucket and a rebound. And too. she follows us. And she follows. Shout out to Dariana Lewis. Shout out. Shout out Miss <laughs> Lewis. There you go. Uh, all right. Um, thank you for your time, Mo. I have, I have a good week, man, and a good show tonight. All right? All right. Thanks. You guys do the same. All right. All right. Uh, hey, uh, Drew, I know you had a final thought that you wanted to get in before we wrap up the show. So I'll, I'll give you a moment to uh, get that in.
1: Yeah, just quickly, uh, not sports related, but uh, shout out to Boys Brown College, who took another step into uh, getting back into relevancy as far as HBCUs go. We know the name, but now they are officially cleared to be able to offer federal financial aid that means people can go and fill out their fafsa and use those dollars at morris brown college so the au may be back at full tilt real soon brian so it would i would love to see it maybe one day soon we'll be talking about morris brown sports here on the bcsn sports rap
0: all right Hey, uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, the conversation, being a part of it, for watching and sharing. Uh, Make sure you go share the show on YouTube. Check out the podcast. If you missed any parts of today's show, uh, go share the podcast. Uh, Thanks again to uh, Charles Bishop and Mo Carter for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Roy, for sticking in there with us. Uh, B.J. Jones inside HBCU football should be coming up next. Make sure you guys check that show out. And uh, make sure you're stayed locked in with the Black College Sports Network as it's Celebration Bowl week. The Cricket Celebration Bowl Saturday noon kickoff. South Carolina State, Jackson State, New Blood. Over forty-five thousand people, maybe fifty. I'm gonna I set the bar at forty-two, Drew. I'm gonna go on a on a limb. Might be 50,000 50, 50, people, fifty thousand plus in the house that Dion built. So uh, there it yes. is. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this show. Thanks, everybody. Uh, you guys be safe. Take care of yourself. Happy Thanks holidays. for all the comments out there. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for uh, great mm-hmm. interaction, guys. We love you. Happy nice. holidays. And, uh, hey, let's uh, let's get to it. Enjoy the Celebration Bowl. For AD Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. You've been watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Peace out. I holla. I holla.